It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. Hello again, it's Adam, the host of Merry Britsmas, the podcast all about Christmas from a British perspective, where I'll continue to ramble on about music, traditions and TV the whole year through. In fact, I'd love to hear some of your favourites as well. Do you have a favourite British Christmas special? If so, let me know. You can send me a post or message via our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and why not give us a follow whilst you're there? You could even record yourself talking about why you love it so much if you like, and I'd love to play some on the podcast in the future. But for now, it's just me. Sorry. This month, I'm going to think about the cold weather with A Winter's Tale by David Essex, get very silly with superhero sitcom My Hero, and warm us all up with some British festive drinks. Well, let's start with a drink, as with how the year's already started off and the icy freezing cold, we could all do with a winter warmer. There are a selection of festive drinks that we may all be familiar with, and British Christmases often have the likes of champagne, prosecco, port and hot mauled wine or cider. Today though, I wanted to discuss a unique Victorian Christmassy drink that pops up in a Christmas carol, and often confuses the students in my GCSE English class, Smoking Bishop. It's not setting a holy man on fire, contrary to what it sounds like, but I thought I'd read the bit that mentions the drink before I explore what it actually is. It pops up right at the end of the story, where Scrooge has changed and is surprising Bob. A Merry Christmas, Bob, said Scrooge, with an earnestness that could not be mistaken as he clapped him on the back. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavour to assist your struggling family, and we will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop, Bob. Make up the fires, and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. As with the best alcoholic festive drinks, it's a hot beverage. It was originally made from port, red wine, lemons or oranges, sugar and spices, including cloves and nutmeg. It was a simple job of mixing it all up and slowly heating it, especially roasting the citrus fruit to caramelise and add flavour. Eliza Acton published a recipe in a modern cookery book in 1845, which I will read for you. Make several incisions in the rind of a lemon, stick cloves in these and roast the lemon by a slow fire. Put small but equal quantities of cinnamon, cloves, mace and allspice, with a race of ginger, into a saucepan with half a pint of water. Let it boil until it's reduced one half. Boil one bottle of port wine. Burn a portion of the spirit out of it by applying a lighted paper to the saucepan. Put the roasted lemon and spice into the wine. Stir it up well and let it stand near the fire 10 minutes. Rub a few knobs of sugar on the rind of the lemon. Put the sugar into a bowl or jug with the juice of half a lemon not roasted. Pour the wine into it, grate in some nutmeg, sweeten it to the taste and serve it up with lemon and spice floating in it. 
And we will discuss your affairs this afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop, Bob. Modern recipes haven't changed much, but do make things a bit simpler. The name comes from the smoking of the citrus fruit, and a strange decision to name a series of drinks after religious orders of the Catholic Church. Others included the smoking archbishop made with claret wine, the smoking beadle made with ginger wine and raisins, ugh. the smoking cardinal made with champagne, and the smoking pope made with burgundy wine. There is a myth, however, that the name comes from a serving punch bowl shaped like a bishop's mitre headgear. Regardless of its origin, I'd quite like to try this one day and may have to look at crafting my own next Christmas. If you have tried making it already, let me know what it was like. Ardell O'Hanlon is best known to comedy audiences as the idiotic Father Dougal from the classic and strange priest comedy Father Ted. However, he continued his career as a stand-up and actor, including another festive cult family hit in Robbie the Reindeer, which I may have to cover at some point in the future, despite the elves at Tis the Podcast not getting its genius. However, the focus today is on a surprisingly successful hit sitcom called My Hero. predated the superhero craze and mocked the idea of a Superman-like alien who lives a very normal life whilst trying to get to grips with the human world. The show started in the year 2000 on the BBC and revolves around Thermoman, aka George Sunday, a superhero from the planet Ultron, no connection to the Marvel Comics evil robot. He marries a human nurse called Janet, the only person he trusts his secret with. He has to deal with his annoying in-laws, who feel he is not good enough for their daughter. Are you doing this deliberately, Janet, to upset us? Doing what? Audrey Brown's daughter's living with a gynaecologist and you are living with Danny Boy. (laughs) How many times George and I are happy together? You can't possibly be happy. He's daft in the head. He's a laughing stock of Northolt. He's just not used to our ways, that's all. He sniffs. He keeps going to the lavatory all the time. He's an idiot. And Dr Piers Crispin. The doctor at Janet's clinic played wonderfully by Hugh Dennis as an egotistical boss who kind of wants Janet for himself. You'll be there as well, Piers. How exciting. Yes. Jesus may have had a star above his stable, but Janet will have a star in her sitting room. (laughs) (laughs) Also along for the ride are the sociopathic Mrs Raven, the receptionist at the doctor's. Mrs Lane's baby's due on Christmas Day. Oh, hard luck. The midwife will be drunk. Now just leave if there's a good film on the telly. She's only joking. No, I'm not. My neighbour nearly died. You'll be fine. (laughs) Merry Christmas. And Tyler, Thermoman's eccentric scouse neighbour, who also knows his identity, but also believes Gandalf lives with him. Happy Christmas. No, Mrs. Be Afraid. For it will not be a happy Christmas. The Antichrist is coming and he will destroy all before him. Maybe I'll try the supermarket. (laughs) Sorry, you were saying? There were six series of the show, although O'Hanlon left in the last series and was replaced with James Dreyfus in a weird Doctor Who-style regeneration storyline that didn't work at all. Thankfully, the Christmas episode, simply titled Christmas, came at the end of the first season. Here we see George try to get to grips with this strange Earth holiday. We begin the episode by seeing that he has become a toy for kids, but isn't happy with the decisions made for his action figure. 
They've made me bald. Why have they made me bald? They haven't made you... Oh, yes, so they have. They don't know what you look like underneath your helmet, you see. Well, I don't look like this. And they've given me lipstick. Just overdone it with the paint, that's all. I look like a bald-headed girl. It's not funny, Janet. And he's rather confused by the customs of Christmas. Janet, you know Mr Watson in number five? Well, I've just been past his window and he started to grow a fir tree in his living room and attaching light bulbs to it. I think he's gone a bit... No, 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 it's OK, George. Maybe it's... it's a virus going around. No, it's... You've been taken over by alien tree worshippers from the planet. No, 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 it's Christmas, that's all. Nothing to worry about. Christmas? Yeah. It's a big religious festival to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Ah, right. His birthday's a big day. And that's why you have fir trees with lights on them, because fir trees were special to Jesus. Well, no, I don't think he ever saw a fir tree. And to be honest, it would be confusing to an alien. But he liked tinsel and chains of coloured paper. No, I don't think he ever saw those either. It's a funny way to celebrate his birthday. The thing is, normal people do odd things at Christmas, that's all you have to remember. Ah, right you are, because I passed the Kennedys, and they've put a wooden reindeer on the roof. Exactly. And the rights at number seven were dressed in rubber, and she was smearing yoghurt all over them. <laughs> no, they often do that. He accidentally invites all of the annoying people in their life after Janet makes a sly comment. So we will be seeing you and Janet on Christmas Day? Oh, yes. Janet's explained the whole tradition, and you're just the sort of people we have to spend Christmas with. <laughs> and you too, Mrs Raven. You're joining us for Christmas, aren't you? Oh, if you say so. Thank you, Janet. That's something to quite look forward to. <laughs> Not at all. George. What are you doing? You said they'd be coming to us for Christmas. The people we don't like. I didn't mean I'd actually invited them. Who else have you spoken to? Morning, Janet. Looking forward to Christmas Day. <laughs> the confusing rituals get more confusing for George. <sighs> well got all the Christmas cards delivered. It's a fortune in stamps. Can you slip this under Tyler's door? Why? We've already wished Tyler a happy Christmas. Yes, but we haven't sent him a card. Why does he need it in writing? Well, so he can open it and say, ooh, I've had a card from Janet and George, and then he can send us a card back. So we can say, ooh, we've had a card from Tyler. Exactly. Though if he doesn't send us a card, I cross him off my list and we don't send him a card next year. Unless he sends us a card first, in which case he goes back on my list and we do send him a card. You are right, Janet. Then... George dresses as Santa and uses his powers to deliver gifts to all the people in their life, aiming to spread festive joy, even stopping a burglar. Hello. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. What's that in your hand? Um, is it hers? I'm sorry, Santa. You're ashamed of yourself. It's Christmas Eve, a time for giving. Sorry. I won't do it again, Santa. Sure not. Now, you better go. Thank you, Santa. But this secret nighttime gift giving causes more problems as everyone is baffled as to where they appeared from. This morning when I woke up, do you know what I found in my bedroom? A present from Santa Claus. No. So did we. I found one too. I didn't. It's damn peculiar. I didn't get anything. What did he give you? An aftershave. Me too. Why didn't I get something? Maybe he forgot. Still, nice surprise for the rest of you. Father Christmas coming. Father Christmas? Someone broke into my house and left me a present. He's obviously some sort of a stalker. 
back the place round half the mud. I mean, if he left something, he probably took something as well. That's true. Stanley, you better get on to them. He has to confess in the end. And Christmas dinner is rather miserable. Knock, knock. Well, someone's supposed to say who's there. What's the point? It's bound to be rubbish. <laughs> yes, it's rubbish. Do take that stupid hat off, Stanley. No one else is wearing one. So George goes and gets Santa to cheer them up. And I love Santa's voice and style here. There's someone I, I'd like you all to meet. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Santa. We were at school together. George tells me you're feeling miserable. So I've just come to say, be happy, it's Christmas. He tells them he'll get them whatever they want, and they all give real answers except for Piers, who asks for a jigsaw, thinking it's all a joke. Does anybody seriously believe they're going to come back with a sack full of Christmas presents? Sorry to keep you waiting. Gin for you. One golf set. And we got the bag signed by Tiger Woods. Make it more special. It's Saint Laurent. I hope it's all right. Two tickets for the Caribbean. It includes internal flights so you can travel around the island. Oh, there was one more thing. Oh, yes, a jigsaw puzzle. Can I change my mind? I'm sorry, one present only. And laying in bed on Christmas night, George reveals to his wife something about this Santa. That Father Christmas you got was great. At first I thought he was too grumpy to be believable, but he was perfect. It's very good of him to come, really. Because he's normally asleep on Christmas Day. <clears throat> I forgot how funny this show was. And though it's rather broad and silly in its humour, the jokes mostly work and the characters are pretty good. It's not a classic sitcom, but it's an enjoyable way to spend half an hour. The festive special is well worth a watch to any Christmas fans, even if you're not familiar with the show. And it's even on YouTube at the moment. Our festive song this month is more of a winter song. The song doesn't even mention Christmas, but it's always on festive mixes and playlists and radio stations in December. It was written as a Christmas song though, according to the songwriter. It was written by Mike Batt, known for writing Wombles songs and Bright Eyes for Art Garfunkel. Also, Tim Rice helped, the superstar collaborator of Andrew Lloyd Webber and creator of lyrics for the likes of Evita, Jesus Christ Superstar and Disney's Aladdin and Lion King. Mike Batt said that he got a call from David Essex in late 1982 asking for a Christmas song. So Batt, meeting with Rice shortly after, imagined sending a message to a lover from a recently ended relationship due to geographical reasons. Rice came up with the title and they hammered out the song together with Batt finishing the chorus and final verse on his own. The song went to Essex, an experienced pop star who'd been making music since the early 70s. His biggest hit had been the 1973 Grammy-nominated single Rock On. become a recognised actor in musicals such as Godspell and films such as That'll Be The Day. He had two 70s UK number ones in Gonna Make You A Star and Hold Me Close. Hold me close, 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 hold me close
A Winter's Tale was released as a single on December 11th, 1982, and appeared on his 11th album, The Whisper, in 1983. spent 10 weeks in the UK charts, climbing up to number 2 in January, but being kept from the top spot by Phil Collins' cover of You Can't Hurry Love. The track was also used as the opening song for a musical called All the Fun of the Fair in 2008, using Essex's music for a story about fairground life, love and drama. One last Essex anecdote, I saw him performing the role of Buddy the Elf's dad, Walter Hobbs, in a British performance of the musical. The musical was a lot of fun, but his accent was unfortunately something out of a southern plantation. There aren't many covers of this song, which is a bit of a shame, but let's check some out. First up is a traditional cover from stage legend Michael Ball's 1999 Christmas album. Another stage legend, Elaine Page, covered it on her 1986 Christmas album. How about a classic rock band take from the Moody Blues 2003 album December? Just another winter's tale. 
I stand alone. A bell is ringing far away. I wonder if you're here. I wonder if you're listening. I wonder where you are today. Good luck. And finally, an indie pop version from the wonderful duo, the boy least likely to. As strange as it may seem for a Christmas fan, I'm kind of done with winter. I like winter when Christmas is around, but January and February are just a little too bleak. So I've got fingers crossed for some early spring sunshine, but I'll still keep these festive feels alive with a new episode next month. Please do get in touch if you want to share your favourite British festive episode or special, or just a comment on anything I've rambled on about. Find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Merry Britsmas for more festive rants. Happy blooming Christmas to you and all.